Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that has hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is a curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Sabrina, who work in sales and business development across the Asia Pacific. Hi, Nick. Happy New Year and happy Year of the Rabbit. Same to you, Sabrina, to yourself. And Gongsi Fachai Kung He Fachai. I'm sure I've pronounced both of those wrong. And to our listeners as well, a big happy calendar new year and a big happy Chinese new year. Yeah, wishing you and all of our listeners with good health and happiness this year. So let's kickstart with this month's episode with some highlights and market outlook. Over to you, Nick. Good. Thank you, Sabrina. As we embark on another year of podcasts and we'll we'll attempt and try and strive to bring you lots of interesting news and, and insights about what's happening connected to sustainable finance. So the first thing that really jumped out over the last couple of weeks was just the amount of recaps about last year. Look, last year wasn't fantastic for the bond markets. Overall, the sustainable finance markets are down in volume. It's the first time as of a few years. That reflects the broader market. Sustainable finance volumes are not down as much, but they're still down, right? And we can talk about different numbers, whether it's 20% or 30%, you know, whatever it is. It's about 20%, I think. Not great. We will talk in the podcast probably more next month once we land on a few more different versions of forecasts and things. I think the sense is the market will hopefully pick up this year. There's still refinancings to be done. Sustainability is still key and central as an issue for corporates and governments and, and you know, connected to, to capital markets and investors. So I think it's just a matter of time before the markets sort of roll back in relation to sustainable finance. And let's see, maybe the first part of the year is a bit soft. We're seeing some good and reasonable start to start to pick up in our, in our business customers preparing to do things. So let's see how it goes. You know, overall, I think Asia had a pretty good year where we're based versus some other markets, but versus Asia's previous years, yeah, sure, not not fantastic. And let's see what happens over 2023. I think there'll be more interesting discussions about greenwashing. I think there'll be this tug of war between use of proceeds and linked instruments. I think we'll hopefully see a bit more transition flavoured deals and some more complicated transactions go to market. We'll see more social and biodiversity. And hopefully we see some different types of structures as well, debt to climate swaps and blended finance and who knows, catastrophe bonds and all sorts of things that are probably swirling around different types of structures to to integrate into sustainable finance. And as I say, we will cover a little bit more detail and a little bit on outlook and dissecting a little bit more on recent trends once more information on the market comes to hand, but hopefully that gives everyone a bit of a feel. COP15, we know it happened in what seems like forever ago, December, and we will talk about that in our listener questions a little bit more, but that was a key theme, lots of articles about that. Probably the reporting on impact, the growing importance of that. Um, Sustainalytics worked on an impact report for a company called Unica in Europe, where we calculated some some impact numbers of things. And that's just indicative of what, what we're going to see a lot more. And I'm seeing more articles around that impact, impact measurement, best practices, and more of this impact theme reflecting the overall theme of don't just tell me, show me. Interesting aspects there. A little bit more articles on climate um, climate litigation 
Um, and I think Australia, uh, where I'm from, um, features in some of those. So we'll keep an eye out on that. But hopefully that really spurs some, some action from maybe some laggards and things. But let's see how the environment grows this year, particularly more broadly speaking, regulatory environment. Let's see how that goes. I'm speaking to Australia, on Australia, I should say, really takes us to the next point. A lot of talk about climate disclosure rules. There's been updates and papers written on the sustainable finance or ASFI, sustainable finance development, taxonomy that's that's going on there. So lots of positive developments in the Australian market. And I've really noticed lots of interesting articles coming out of there and new rules, the direction of travel. So that's great and hopefully supports the sustainable finance um, transaction market there for a, a pretty darn complicated and interesting market for sure. A transaction that, that I just wanted to mention, we normally save our transaction mentioning for a little bit a little bit lower, but it ties back to that sort of impact theme and it ties back to the social theme. BMP launched, I think in December, maybe early January, a pretty innovative social impact bond where the it was a private placement and the coupon is tied to the performance of a social impact focused equity index. So a few years ago in the early stage of the green bond market, we saw some equity or index sort of linked types of structure. I haven't seen one of those for a while, but I, I commend BMP and again, an interesting one, highlighting impact, highlighting social and the different flavours of things and structures being connected to bonds. And hopefully we see a few more interesting things um, over the course of the year. Picking up the COP15 theme, uh, again, a little bit more on biodiversity tools, lots of updates from different market players and WWF, lots of articles, lots of tools, lots of ongoing discussion. And I think that's really going to shift this year. And we'll see that more in KPIs. We'll see that more in use of proceeds. We'll see governments pushing, corporates pushing, banks pushing to really understand nature-based risks and issues and tie that back into some um, sustainable finance initiatives. What else have we got here? A really interesting paper from TPI, Transition Pathway Initiative. We'd encourage our listeners to check it out. They always produce good stuff. I wish they came out with more stuff and more often. Uh, But there was a a paper put out about the food and beverage um, sector and three companies were focused on there. They have developed some curves and decarbonisation. It's a really interesting read because, as we know, we need agri because we're all going to eat, as far as I know. Um, And agri is a, a difficult sector. It's part of the problem and part of the solution as far as sustainability and hitting net zero is concerned so check that out if any of our listeners are working on or with agri companies it's a good uh, good reference so definitely check that out and also that builds around the recent flag guidance i'm going to try and remember what that stands for i think it's basically forestry agri land that sbti science based initiative came out with in um November, December last year. So great that there's more market references on uh, Agri. Speaking of market references, one of our favourite ones is PCAF, basically carbon accounting for financial portfolios. And they came out with an updated standard. I think this is pretty much the go-to now for banks measuring their scope three emissions connected to who they're financing in their portfolios. And there was some aspects around sovereign holdings included in that and a few other interesting developments. So definitely check that out, particularly if you're at a, um, at a bank working through those things. And hopefully what that means is with more good references and standardization for how banks can measure scope three, the data is the challenge, but maybe we'll start to see some linked transactions for FIs and banking institutions using PCAF as a basis. And Sustainalytics has actually worked on one of those for a Latin American issuer last year. So chat to us if you want to know more about that. But PCAF, fantastic reference. 
What else? We've got a couple of other things to mention. Banks transition planning, the ECB stepping up scrutiny of that. I think that's just the trend we're going to see this year. We know more now what good looks like for transition. It's still evolving and there'll be more challenge to banks, more challenge to corporates, more challenge to investors. Carbon markets keep heating up. Hong Kong um, launched its market late last year. Singapore has, Malaysia has. ISDA's even come out with some common terminology, International Swaps and Derivatives Association on you know carbon products and things. So let's see how that gets integrated, connected with sustainable finance this year. Definitely watch this space. Nuclear in the headlines again. Japan in and out of discussions on those. Some sovereign SLBs, great initiative that corporates are doing SLBs and hopefully help sovereigns drive some, issue some sovereign debt and, and have some good targets connected to that. One other interesting one I did spot, and I think this will be a trend too, Austria actually launched a, a green commercial paper program late last year. So I think that also highlights a trend in the market to experiment with more shorter term issuance, different types of instruments as well. So maybe the days of just the three and five and seven year bonds are going to be certainly stay there, but we'll see other products, some of which I mentioned before, some different tenors, which is good and it shows a, a deepening market. What else have we got? The the articles we'll talk about more next month about the ongoing oil and gas funding banks versus the green book. Always lots of topics around that um, at the end of the year, banks announcing halts and changes and other organisations comparing how much green lending has happened versus oil and gas. So watch this space on that one. And also a reference because they're always fantastic reports. CBI, Climate Bond Initiative, Scaling Credible Transition in Finance paper was released. Check that out. And also Japan. I think there was a there was an updated uh, paper on um, on Japan, but there's certainly some really good resources that they've been coming out with. So do check those out. So lots of headlines. Lots of things coming out and and some interesting trends which will pull apart more over the podcast, particularly in the next few months and see how 2023 hots up. So maybe back to you, Sabrina, in terms of specific transactions, if you want to take us through anything that caught your eye in terms of at least SLBs over the last sort of end of the year and start to this year. Yeah, yeah, sure, Nick. Yeah, we're, I'm going to group together and talk about SLB and SLLs. But as you've mentioned just now in the market outlaw, we're actually seeing a number of food and agri-related issuances this month. So on the SLB side, Avril, based in France, which is the fifth largest France food and agri-related industry group, they issued a sustainability-linked shield shine and also Agrana Group, which is a food company, as well as the cheese maker Bell Group based in France. They all have issued sustainability-linked shield shine this month. Then moving on to the airport industry, Air France KLM, they have issued 1 billion euro debut SLB. And this bond is linked to um, their greenhouse gas emission intensity reduction targets measured in CO2 equivalent per revenue ton kilometer. Then we see SPIE, a multi-technical services company based in France, and Sunny Optical based in China. They have both issued sustainability-linked bond this month. And more on an interesting side, we see a media and communication company called Polstat 
Plus, based in Poland, they have issued SLBs with KPI on greenhouse gas emission targets, renewable energy generation, green hydrogen production, and share of zero emissions energy in total energy mix of their company's total energy use. Then, some other deals such as Heidelberg Materials, an international building materials company specializing in the production and distribution of cement, has issued SLB with KPIs around carbon dioxide emission reduction targets. And on the SLL side, let's start with、um, South Africa. So, a bank in South Africa called Standard Bank, they have secured a 750 million term loan from a syndicate of banks. With、um, the inaugural deal making it one of the first South African lenders to borrow through the performance-based instrument, so Standard Bank has set targets around financing renewable energy power plants and social projects in Africa, as well as employee diversity within the bank. Then on the SLL side, we also see another food and agri distributor, Green Yard. They are a Belgian fruit and vegetable distributor. They have actually converted all of its bank loans、um, into sustainability-linked loans. Their targets focuses on three major areas. So it's on greenhouse gas emission targets, water usage targets, and also responsible. Sourcing on its supply chain. So, in addition to these targets, the margin of all these sustainability-linked loans will also decrease or increase depending on whether Greenyard has achieved its targets. So,、um, we also have another food industry issuer this month on the SLL side, which is a hold Del Hays, which is a supermarket headquartered in the Netherlands. They have also issued SLL as well. So moving on to the APAC region, we see Mitsui OSK Lines, a shipping company based in Japan, linking its loan with annual reduction in the energy efficient operational indicator, so EEOI. And then we have GGRP, a steel production company based in Indonesia and Singapore-based manufacturing conglomerate Royal Garden Golden Eagle, issuing SLLs this month as well. So I wanted to highlight two cases that I find it quite interesting to see this month. So U.S. hotel owner Host Hotels and Resorts has converted a conventional loan to a sustainability-linked loan with KPIs tied to environmental certificate and renewable energy share targets. The next one is Kirin issued their debut SLL based in Japan, which is also a food and beverages industry. So their proceeds will be allocated to funding. Kieran's energy conservation efforts for reducing scope one and two greenhouse gas emissions and renewable-related projects. So, in Kieran's framework, they included three eligible targets for sustainability-linked bonds and loans, which includes reducing their scope three greenhouse gas emission and also maintaining its ACDB. Climate score. So、um, there are also other、um, issuances and borrowings this month. 
and we continue to see a mixture of industries such as data centers, engineering, utilities, renewables, and telcos um, issuing SLL and SLBs. So that's it from my side. So let's quickly jump to the next segment of our podcast. So we will answer questions from our listeners. So reminder to our listeners, please feel free to write to us and send us your questions to podcast at sustainalytics.com for any sustainable finance related questions. So Nick, the first question that we have is actually what you've mentioned just now. So it's related to the recent COP15 conference happened in Montreal. So what do we think of the outcome of this biodiversity conference? Thanks, Sabrina. It's a great question. And I just echo the thoughts about all the link side, great diversification in terms of country, sectors, structures, and you know conversions of existing loans. So that's excellent to see. Back to the trying to answer that question. There are always tricky questions we get through this, but I'll, I'll try and do justice to the question. So I think really fundamentally, there's always through the COPs, whether it's the other COP, the main climate one or the biodiversity one, you know, we always expect more. But I think it's difficult getting things done in these big international forums. So that's the one thing we can debate, whether it's disappointing or otherwise. But I think what it means connected to our work in sustainable finance is we're just going to see a highlighted and more focus on biodiversity. And that'll connect to KPIs, that'll connect to use of proceeds transactions. So the more commitments that are made, and I I do note, and I think it was a great outcome from an aspect of the COP15, at least there was an agreement with the biodiversity framework. And I think it's got a a specific uh, specific name, which eludes me now, or the global biodiversity, I think it's GBF. That the main sort of headline from that was the request for countries and signatories to conserve 30% of their environments by 2030. So we'll hear a lot about the the 30 by 30. Um, But there's lots of other aspects beneath the headlines and the focus on um, increasing biodiversity, stopping different things, committing to different aspects, commitments, doing more funding. So I know that's a pretty general update, but I think you know, it's really highlights the issue, gives us a structure to work from, and those commitments will drive activity. Activity and commitments drive, you know, transactions, which is great because it highlights more of the issue and sees more more corporates taking action. So I think it's just going to be a key theme this year more and more. The dependency on nature is huge. And as corporates continue to learn what good looks like, Probably the other major thing that will happen soon on biodiversity, at least I think September this year, the TNFD, Task Force for Nature-Based Financial Disclosures, will come out and I think implement more of their work and everyone's sort of waiting on the approach to KPIs, the best sets of KPIs, because it's much more multidimensional, much more local than than some of the uh, carbon-related sort of issues. So, yeah, excellent question. Uh, and look out for more biodiversity. Great. Thanks, Nick. So the second question we received this month is related to sustainability-linked loans. So previously, we actually have seen some issuances on sustainability-linked loan side using ESG risk rating as a KPI. So do we still see a place for ESG risk rating in linked financing? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is yes. And of course, I'm going to be a little bit biased or we're going to be biased because that's one of the products we have. But I think at the end of the day, the the key difference, KPIs are are somewhat narrow. Using 
a ESG risk rating connected to a linked transaction is much more holistic. And there's pluses and minuses for both of those. So we'd encourage our listeners and banks and corporates, you know, have a good think about which one works for you. But in terms of ESG risk ratings and measurements and performance and scales, yeah, I do think they still have a role. We might see a few more transactions with, and I think we're starting to with a bit of both, one or two KPIs and maybe a risk rating. There's no issue in doing that. It's certainly true that the market shifted from more risk ratings to more KPIs over the last few years. But I think we're seeing a bit of pickup in using risk ratings selectively, particularly for really difficult industries. Social KPIs are really hard to structure, not impossible, but harder than environmental usually. And then governance items are generally pretty hard to pick up through KPIs. So I think there's definitely a role and we might see them used more with KPIs overcoming periods and we might see them as we're starting to and we continue to some markets using them with really challenging customers in challenging sectors as a way to weight overall sustainability performance rather than spend time structuring what's the best one or two KPIs when there may be just too many and that risk rating gives a really holistic assessment to to see sustainability performance so the short answer is yes but of course it's it's selective and banks and structurers and advisors, you know, should go through that process to work out whether KPI structures or using risk ratings work for a particular transaction or a bit of both. Good questions to kick off the year. So maybe we'll hand back to you then, Sabrina, what have, what's jumped out to you or caught your eye over the last period of time, back end of last year, start of this year for, for the green bonds, which still, I guess, anchor um, yeah. anchor the market and there's been a bit of a swing back to use of proceeds but maybe we'll see this year a bit more of a swing back to linked <laughs> let's see but what's jumped out for the green side yeah you're right nick so i'll first start off with some sovereign and sub-sovereign issuances we have seen quite a few um, issuances this month um so rep- on the europe and america side we see Republic of Ireland, Slovenia, Israel, City of Hot Springs, Arkansas, City of Toronto. And then on the APAC side, we see Republic of Indonesia, the Philippines, Hong Kong, all these countries or cities that I've mentioned just now, they have issued either green bond or sustainability bond either end of last year or early this year. So we also heard some noises from the government of India and Egypt, which they have plans to issue green bond in early 2023. So we also see some other government-linked entity that have issued green bond or sustainability bond, such as New York City Housing Development Corporation, Hong Kong Airport Authority, which is to finance infrastructure, European Investment Bank, so, yeah, this is what we see um, on the sovereign, subsovereign or government linked side. So I think what is worth mentioning or highlighting this month, it's that the World Bank has issued a biodiversity awareness focused sustainability bond. And also we see another one that's um, Ecuadorian landmark blue bond issued by Symbiotic Investments, which is partnered with the IFC. So quite interesting to see this kind of microfinancing structure. And also this 
landmark bond, um, the Ecuadorian blue bond that I mentioned, will mainly finance investment in the value chain of um, sustainable fisheries, water and wastewater management, and aquaculture sectors. Also worth mentioning is that some milestones on the sustainability bond or green bond side is that there are several large publicly announced sustainability bonds in 2022, including some construction firm in and also um, electricity utility firms. So this is quite significant in the sustainability and green bond side. So we also see issuances in other industries such as from banks, um, financial institutions, data centers, properties, which is actually a very huge industry mix, quite similar to that of SLB and SL issuances. So that's it. On the green bond and sustainability bond side, I wanted to mention here. So what about the green loan side? Are there any room left for green loan borrowing? It's sometimes harder to pick up all the things that are happening in the green loans markets, but a couple of things. And as we know, normally they revolve around renewables and, and property sectors. So we saw LightSource Group do a green renewables transaction in, in Aussie dollars we saw um, AC Energy in the Philippines pretty active in sustainable finance, both bonds do some loans. Leeward Renewable Energy did something as well. We also saw um, I think Nissan do a green loan as well. So interesting that, that autos are, are participating in some of that loan space as well and a renewable hydro asset, I think, in, uh, in the Philippines as well. And one more to mention, Borusan Automotive in Turkey did a, um, did a green loan as well for, I think, EVs and connected. So a little bit on transport, mostly renewables this month. And again, probably not the diversity we see in the bond market through the green loans, but loans are important while bond markets are still under a bit of um, a bit of pressure there. And then to bounce over to social, Sabrina, bonds and yeah. loans, anything that, that caught your eye in yeah. recent times? They're generally clustered around a few, uh, few key issues as well, I think. Yeah. So I think we see a lot of social borrowings or issuances in the FI and non-bank FI space. So we see, uh, for example, Korea Housing Finance Corp, Shiram Finance and Citigroup. They have issued either social bond or social loan and majority of their use of proceeds are dedicated to projects such as um, SME microfinancing, affordable housing and also um, social economic empowerment. So we also see two social loan borrowings in Japan from the medical and real estate industry with use of proceeds dedicated to access to essential services in the healthcare space. So actually what's worth highlighting is that the publicly disclosed social loan borrowings in 2022 has actually crossed the 5.3 billion US dollar mark, which is more than five times higher than the total in 2021. So so the interest in social loan labels has grown since the LMA and APLMA and LSTA has published their social loan principles. And the social loan market has benefited from the strong support from social finance shown in the bond market in recent years. So that's I wanted to quickly mention on the loan side. So over back to you, anything notable over the month on the labeled product side, Nick? Thanks, Sabrina. So I guess a couple of things to 
to mention and then I'll jump into transition and sort of round off with a couple of regulatory updates as well. I think a little bit more of the same on the labelled side, just a couple of different emphasis aspects there. So something that I saw was more the talk about green securitization and collateral to grow in Europe over, over coming periods. Um, AFME released, I think, some numbers or, or an article about that. So we'll see more structured trades and maybe more green or labelled securitization. Leverage finance, there was also an article about green shoots may take time in EMEA. Leverage finance, so I think selectively green getting incorporated into acquisitions and things, I think is a good development. Trade finance, I know we've talked about that on the podcast again, and GT Review talking about you know topics and, and trends and sustainability connected to trade finance. I think continues to come up as an as an issue, and again another another trend. I've said that lots this podcast, and then a home loan program. We've seen a variety of home loan programs. This one, I think uh, OCBC in Singapore um, offering special rates, so different types of um, of loan programs in different countries. So that's good to see. In terms of transition, a couple of things to mention. Again, there's still not bulk issuance happening in the market in different places labelled directly as transition. And as we heard from Sabrina earlier in the podcast, a lot of the labelled transition space still getting sucked out, taken up by linked transactions at this stage. But let's see if we see a developing use of proceeds-based transition bond, a loan market, financing specific um, CapEx um, spends and things. First one was just on shipping the Poseidon principles, which is a really key guidance document on how to uh, KPIs in that sector and, and how to look at link style lending. Came out with some updated reporting and some banks still still not quite in line with all the benchmarks there, but that's a great resource if anyone's into shipping finance. Check that out where the banks are at and, and what they're still working through. Tokyo Gas did a, a hybrid transition bond in Japan. And even though I made those comments before about the transition labelled bond market still in its infancy, Japan's probably the most progressive globally on that. I've done lots of different things under that label, which we'll leave our listeners to, to check out. So Tokyo Gas did a hybrid bond, really looking at uh, use of proceeds funding for uh, for renewables. And I guess some players will, will look at that as, as green. Some will look at it maybe as transition, but that one was, um, was labelled as transition. And just to pick up a little bit more on the, the Japan sort of aspect on that, they've really been the pioneers in that labelled labeled market. Again, sometimes transition can be called green and different different things. The market hasn't fully settled on that, but it's it's good to see Japan taking the lead, doing different things, putting different things under that label, and that allows us to discuss, debate, reference as needs be. So there's been a, a host of um, – we, we at Analytics have worked on um, Japan Airlines – um, but there's been other label transition bonds from Kushu Electric, Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, and a variety of others, and a couple in the sea space or shipping as well. So a good place just to reference what's happening on that label transition aspect of the market, which is still pretty new globally, but um, accelerating in Japan. A um, couple of articles about mining opportunities and mining materials for energy storage and lithium and batteries and all these sorts of things. I think we're going to see mining really come up this year. So a few articles on that, it would surprise me if it took very long for, for some of these connected companies and mining sectors of these critical minerals we need to hit net zero didn't didn't come up and start looking at sustainable finance. And um, as part of the G20 Indonesia hosted in Bali in December, or might have actually been back end of November, lots of articles about just energy transition partnerships and these type of things, Vietnam, Philippines, Indonesia, and I think... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how those type of structures evolve 
over the year and maybe um, attach financing to some of these initiatives and energy transition partnerships and MOUs that are getting signed in that as they get worked out exactly what they mean and how they work. Very briefly, in terms of regulations, there's a heap of ongoing regulation, as we know, in Europe, Green Bond Standard hopefully coming out at some stage, SFDR, I can't even remember what that stands for, but one of the regulations that uh, fund managers have to look at for how they label funds, consultations coming out, particularly we saw the FCA in the UK we mentioned on a previous podcast about how to label different types of funds. I think there'll just be more of that. There'll probably be some greenwashing types of guidance um, there's a paper in the market and uh, ICMA's responded to that. Uh, I think it's ESMA who came out with that. Don't don't quote me um, on that one specifically, but I think as a theme, there's going to be more guidance papers on that. And certainly Europe remains the go-to look at what's happening on corporate side, the fund side, and also tax an- taxonomy plus green bond further regulation. I noticed a couple of articles um, in terms of geographic spread on um, Latin America, Brazil was mentioned, has done quite a bit um, last year in sustainable finance. Let's see how that continues to grow and, and a couple of other articles on Latin America, China as well. And we can't have a full global discussion about climate transition without talking about talking about China and all of the focus. I think some of that even coming from Davos about China and transitioning its economy and those type of, uh, type of things. A couple of articles on the Philippines, Taiwan doing a few things as well and also ASEAN. The ACMF, ASEAN Capital Markets Forum or Foundation, I think it's Forum, end of last year coming out with their own version of sustainability link bond standards, which pretty much mirrored on the on the ICBA ones, but do check those out. So, yeah, interesting development, some closer to where we are, Sabrina, in Hong Kong and Singapore, and some a bit more broader in terms of Latin America and Europe still setting a pretty high bar in terms of regulations on all sorts of um, different things. And more broadly speaking, I think, in terms of regulations this year, we'll probably see finally second-party opinion providers possibly regulated. Certainly when the green bond standard comes out in the EU, there's going to be more regulations coming out, probably on ESG data and ESG ratings. So lots of different regulations and lots of different places that will look at how ESG data is provided and and how ratings are put together and, and cover opinions and those sorts of things. So it's definitely a watch this space. I think it'll be a big year for regulation. We'll see how that goes. So I might hand back to you, Sabrina, to close things out for our first episode for 2023. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for your updates, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time. Copyright 2023, Sustainalytics. All rights reserved. Sustainalytics does not assess current market trends, legal or regulatory developments, but only opines on recent ESG-relevant developments. The information and data contained herein are proprietary of Sustainalytics and or third-party content providers. These are intended for informational, non-commercial use only and may not be copied, distributed, or used in any other way, including via citation. These do not constitute an endorsement of any product or project, nor an investment advice or expert opinion, are not part of any offering, and do not constitute an offer or indication to buy or sell securities, and have not been submitted to 
nor received approval from any relevant regulatory bodies. Sustainalytics assumes no responsibility for the reliability, completeness, or accuracy of any opinion provided herein and makes no representation or warranty as to any of the information, including, without limitation, any representation or warranty that the information or any portion of it is accurate, complete, or suitable for a particular purpose. Neither Sustainalytics, Morningstar, nor content providers are responsible for any damage or losses arising from any use of this information and uses subject to conditions available at sustainalytics.com forward slash legal dash disclaimers. Thank you.